0: Uh, We're going to be taking um, up our study of the Westminster Confession, where we left off. In Chapter 1, we're just blazing around along. We've gone all the way from Chapter 1 to Chapter 1. And uh, next week, um, well, there's a lot of material to go over. Let's face it. And it's dense material. It's true. Either that or there's a dense teacher teaching dense material. So that's... one or the other. Today, we're going to be uh, discussing or finishing our discussion of the Westminster Confession of Faith, sections one, uh, 1.2. And then starting 1.3, we could go, I mean, technically speaking, we could go as far as 1.6, what? although I seriously doubt that that will happen. Um, but in any event, so uh, chapter one, what does chapter one deal with there, Nick? Scripture, that's right. Joy, why do they start with Scripture? Where do other confessions start?
1: Uh, other confessions often start with God.
0: They often start with God. But this, mm-hmm.
1: this being a mature confession, you
0: would like seeing all those other confessions beforehand, uh-huh, it's uh-huh. felt that it's, well, because
1: God is uh, just to reveal himself. Right. Um, through, uh, yes, yeah, through, generally, creation but specifically through
0: scripture. right so the, the question of how do we know God immediately comes up and the answer is of course through the scriptures uh, the old and New Testaments right so we have a listing of the books uh, we won't go over it again in uh, section 1.2 uh, and these are the books that correspond with the uh, the books that you will find in your own Bible hopefully you have several of them uh, but the important thing to remember is that uh, 1.3 um, Begins to discuss the issue of the apocrypha, and we'll talk about the apocrypha. We'll also talk about uh, some stuff like the Nag Hammadi scriptures and uh, not scriptures, Nag Hammadi uh, gnostic uh, gospels and things like that. But first, we need to pray. So let's pray. Sovereign Lord, we ask now that you would be with us and that you would help us to understand your word and to apply it. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us and that you would uh, you would be pleased to enlighten us, uh, to give us further knowledge about your word, for it is in your word that we find out about you and your work and your will for us. I do pray, Lord, that you would give me insight and that you would help me to teach clearly today. I pray that everything that I say would be in keeping with your word. Do not let me go off to the left or to the right or to leave the King's Highway. And do not let my own opinions about things come through, but only that which is true and in keeping with your will for your sheep. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, so um, we have uh, discussed the canonicity. Um, and what does canon mean? Let's review that real quick. What is canon? Canon is a Greek word. It
1: means,
0: I think. It, it means yeah, the, uh, the standard of rule, right? Um, so the canon is, the, uh, is that by which uh, everything else is measured. But in the case of canon, when we apply it to scripture, what are we talking about? The
1: actual scripture.
0: We're talking about the books that we recognize as canonical uh, or authorized uh, by God, accepted by the church as, uh, as inerrant, inspired, infallible and his word. Now, we, uh, we talked about the canonicity of the Old Testament books, and one of the things that we discussed was the fact that um, the apostles accepted them as the word of God, and they used the, uh, the same list of books that uh, we use in the, uh, the Old Testament. Uh, so the greatest advocate, obviously, for the canonicity of the Old Testament is Jesus, um, who quoted uh, from the Bible. He uh, accepted the law and the prophets, so the entire Old Testament, and not merely the, uh, the first five books of the Torah, as the, uh, the Sadducees, who were really the theological liberals of their time, as they, uh, they, they took it. But uh, Christ also said that the Old Testament spoke of him. Uh, in John 5, he rebukes the Pharisees for searching the scriptures constantly, but not just for searching. I mean, it's not bad that they would search the scriptures. He rebukes them for uh, not finding life in the scriptures because they would not. They refused to find him, the Messiah there. All right, so we are going to look for evidence for the canonicity of the New Testament books now. Uh, and we're going to discuss, uh, start out by discussing three major uh, points that are made about them. Uh, First, the early Christian writers in all parts of the world agree in quoting, as of apostolic authority, the books we receive, while they quote all other contemporaneous writings only for illustration. So that means that uh, fellows like Clement and Irenaeus and Ignatius, the uh, early church fathers, they, when they quoted, they were quoting from the New Testament books that we accept. And in some cases, we need to remember that uh, these fellows, guys like uh, Clement, for instance, actually knew the apostles uh, who had written these books. They accepted their works as, yes, to The word early,
1: can
0: you put a number. Early? Too early? Uh, uh, second century. So um, really from the point at which John died uh, through to about 150 and so on. So, yes? Is that referring- Well, there's, you've got apostolic church, um, the ancient church, the early church, then you, you move into the, uh, the Constantinian age okay. and so on. Um, often you'll find that uh, people get very non-technical, if I can put it that way, uh, and so you just get a division between kind of like uh, apostolic and early, really, yeah. is, is, uh, as a general rule. Um, and we would say that that was the, the point at which uh, you had the greatest uh, felicity when it came to sticking to the, to the scriptures and not adding traditions. By the time the, uh, um, the 300s roll around, what we're seeing is there's a lot of uh, man-made tradition that's, uh, that's been added, a lot of syncretism that's beginning to, uh, to happen. Um, after Constantine, as a matter of fact, uh, scripture and tradition really begin to become rivals uh, in terms of the hearts of men and what's going to make the, uh, um, make the, shape the church and the way that it acts. So more and more stuff uh, from tradition is uh, beginning to come in at that point. All right. So uh, early Christian writers, they quote from the uh, New Testament books. The second part is, the early church fathers furnish a number of catalogs of the books received by them as apostolic all of which agree perfectly as to most of the books and differ only in a slight degree with reference to some last written or least generally circulated. So when you look at the, uh, uh, the lists of the books uh, that they created themselves, uh, men like Athanasius, for instance, uh, the Muratorian canon even, uh, they are listing books that we, we accept as the books of the New Testament as well. Yes?
1: Sorry, you spell Athanasius, A-
0: A-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-U-S. Mr. Athanasius, Contramundum, Athanasius against the world. He was the uh, the, the man who fought, the, uh, fought, rather, fought the most stridently against uh, uh, Arianism. All right. C. Uh, the early uh, earliest translations of the scriptures prove that at the time they were made, the books they contain were recognized as scripture. The Peshito, or early Syriac translation, agrees almost entirely with ours. And the Vulgate, prepared by Jerome in AD 385, was based on the Italic, or early Latin version, and agrees entirely with ours. So when they started translating the scriptures, uh, when Jerome sets out to create um, a Latin version of the Bible, because uh, obviously the the books of the New Testament were written in what language? Greek. Greek. The problem was uh, in the Western Empire, Okay, so Italy and regions to the west, also uh, in the southern Mediterranean, North Africa, uh, which language did they commonly speak? Latin. That was the, that was the language of the Western Empire. Um, Sadly, unfortunately, the division between uh, Latin and Greek also became a division in the church as well. Greatest divider, it's it's funny. People uh, often think that race is the greatest divider between people. It's not. The greatest divider between people is actually language, uh, the way we speak. And so you can have, uh, for instance, in in different areas, a dialect um, uh, absolutely separating people into warring tribes. Um, So in any event, you have – it's it's dialect that uh – that divides us generally. So uh, authors, citations, translations uh, are the uh, three of the main things that show us um, that these books, the entire church accepted them as the, the books of the New Testament, all right? And most of them were, de- were accepted early. There were some that took a little while to circulate widely uh, and which had some arguing going on over them. But uh, generally speaking, for instance, the four Gospels, nobody argued that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not, um, were not authentic Gospels written by either Apostles themselves in the case of Matthew and John and, or by associates of the Apostles in the case of and Luke. <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's go to the second one. Thank you so much. All right. D, the internal evidence corroborates the external testimony in the case of all the books. This consists of the language and the idiom in which they uh, they are written, the harmony in all essentials in the midst of great variety in form and circumstantials, the elevated spirituality and doctrinal consistency of all the books, and their practical power over the consciences and hearts of men. So all of the books, and this is one of the things that points to our authenticity, uh, all of the books in the New Testament teach the same um, doctrines, all right. They are not at odds with each other. There are holy books that are at various points and in various areas at odds with each other. Uh, in fact, in, in some Eastern religions, a lack of uh, a, a lack of uh, cohesiveness is uh, seen as as a sign of its its truth. Bizarrely enough, so for instance, you can point out, well, the Bhagavad Gita seems to teach different things at different points. And a Hindu will say, ah, that's the beauty of it. (laughs) It shows it's your Western mind where you have all the, I'll stop doing the Indian accent, I'm sorry. It's it's only your Western mind where you have to have everything making logical sense that uh, is stopping you from seeing that blah, 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 blah. But the the beauty of the scriptures is it's teaching the same gospel message, the doctrines are the same, the means of salvation is the same, the Jesus who's presented is the same, uh, and joy, yes?
1: I think that's an expression of worldview, right? Because mm-hmm. it, we we say that when we say we have a reasonable faith, mm-hmm. um, that it's supposed to be attractive, that it's a
0: reasonable faith, right? Um, but that's that, that that assumes a
1: worldview. Do, do you see what I'm saying? If well, we start, a, a reasonable faith is a positive only under certain circumstances. One of,
0: one of the things that I, I used to argue strenuously when I'm still doing internet apologetics when I run into this, uh, this prob- problem was that actually logical consistency is something that we should desire regardless of where we were born, you know, and um, that certain things are true. Uh, like, for instance, I, I, would, I would ask people who are trying, and it's usually was Western people arguing for a quasi-Eastern... Uh, Worldview, They would say things like, you know, it's, uh, it's your logical consistency and your rules and so on that, uh, that, that actually inhibit spiritual growth. And so um, I would say, okay, so it's a Western value that, uh, you know, uh, two things cannot occupy the same space simultaneously, right? And they would say, yes, that's a, that's a Western idea. And so because it's a Western idea, it's to be disregarded, right? Well, yes. Um, Okay, so are you willing to stand uh, in the middle of the road when the truck is coming? You know, because it's only a Western idea that two objects can't simultaneously occupy the same space at the same time. So let's you know test the theory. And I would say it doesn't matter whether you're in Bombay or sorry Mumbai or uh, you know Fayetteville, North Carolina, when you and the truck attempt to occupy the same space at the same time, there's going to be a fatal uh, conclusion to uh, or a fatal uh, you know demonstration of your error in uh, believing that uh, it doesn't have to be uh, the case. So um, one of the things that I I think as as apologists for Christianity we have to argue for is that uh, God is a God of reason. We we do want a reasonable faith and that there are certain logical rules uh, that are part of the universe that God has created and that we should be willing to accept them. Son had her hand up first, though. You're just speaking I now. Shy, without... shy, shy. Yes, Son. She was just going so to ask, But what if you're in the truck? Aren't you in the same you're like, you know, well, it, what, no Yes and no. You're actually in one of the empty spaces within the truck. You know, you're not actually in the engine block, for instance. So let's uh, see. It's the, the idea that, you know, two, two solids can't... And then you can get all the, the silly persons, well, actually, there are so many spaces in the molecules so that you forget it. Moving on. <laughs> that Several things actually occupy the same space you know, at the same time. But as a general rule, you and the truck know, you know, you're going to be repelled from the truck when it hits <laughs> you. And the truck will suddenly be occupying the space where you were, and you will no longer be occupying that space. Uh, joy.
1: like for example it's that argument of presuppositionalism right? mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, with, with regards to apologetics can you argue somebody into the faith or not? No. no you cannot no. but there are people who come from the mindset that you can Right. and then it, so worldview matters in that there, there are some very important constituents of the arguments that you're going to make yeah. that will be just tossed
0: uh, one, of the, the, one of the reasons that I, I don't get into apologetics much anymore is because I do believe that it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, working on consciences and the presentation of the word simply uh, that um, people are actually brought into the kingdom. I've never, I've never rationally argued anybody into Christianity, and I, I've never met anybody who was actually rationally argued into consistent – I mean born again by a rational argument. Um, so, uh, it, while it, there, you can certainly make reasonable arguments, and we should, um, I, you know, their, their power to persuade people I find to be um, very limited. Uh, however, the, uh, they do note, uh, or this slide notes, the practical power over the consciences and hearts of men uh, that, um, that the books of the New Testament have an ability uh, that is supernatural to, uh, to affect people. Um, their content uh, coming from God it has uh, an ability to change people all right let 's move on all right um, now I hope you guys still have vision where you can uh, where you 're able to to read all of those. One of the things that we need to remember about the Bible is that there are more copies of the Bible uh, ancient copies of the Bible um, that are available than any other book, any other ancient book uh, out there. We have more uh, early copies of the Bible, for instance, than we do early copies of Shakespeare, by far. Um, And when it comes to certain uh, ancient works, uh, so, for instance, Plato's Republic, things like that, um, we find that the earliest copies that we have of them are actually medieval. The, uh, The earliest copies that we have were created, in many cases... In, uh, or were copies that were made in, um, by monks uh, in places like Ireland. And yet the bizarre thing is although the, uh, the first copies of uh, Herodotus's history that we, we find are from 900 AD, yet nobody argues that Herodotus wasn't actually writing ancient history somewhere between 480 and 425 BC. Uh, the same for Eusebiades, or for instance, Caesar. Nobody argues that Caesar doesn't exist, even though the earliest copies of his work we find uh, were generated almost a thousand years after he died. And yet, the bizarre thing is, we have tons and tons of early copies of uh, the New Testament, and yet people uh, argue strenuously against the authenticity of these particular ancient works, even though we have more ancient copies. That are in complete keeping with the, the versions that we have today. So, for instance, you remember we saw earlier the copy of the uh, of the Rylands uh, manuscript uh, or the Rylands uh, fragment of uh, from John. It's the same. It's the same John you and I read. It's in ancient Greek. Admittedly, we don't read it in ancient Greek, but it's it's the same thing. Just uh, just an old uh, copy from either early 2nd century or late 1st century. And so the bizarre thing is, you know, you have this natural cynicism, a natural animus towards uh, the New Testament that doesn't exist for all of these older books. There should be more skepticism about the authenticity of, uh, of the annals of Tacitus, for instance, based on the fact that the earliest copies that we have come from the 1100s than there would be for, say, 1 Corinthians or uh, Ephesians, and so on, and yet people argue much more strenuously against the authenticity of Ephesians. Now, let me ask you the question, why is that? Why is it that people are willing to accept that Tacitus wrote the Annals, and they're substantially the same as the version we have, uh, but they argue strenuously against Ephesians, one being the work of Paul, and two being uh, the word of God. Yes, Joy.
1: Uh, Because the
0: okay yeah the, the Tacitus wrote the animals what does that cost me right. nothing nothing at all not I, I can accept it right however if say, it. if say what I've never thought that is the
1: right way to say Thucydides as far as pronunciation is concerned I, I'm sh-
0: I yeah that's I'm sorry that's how my British tutors no um, that is right okay
1: that's the right way to saying it and I've, I've been saying it wrong all time. Thucydides uh, sorry
0: okay All right. So it doesn't. I'm I'm sorry. I I, I, yeah. Um, Now I'm completely thrown. I'm sorry. It's okay. It doesn't
1: matter. Anyway, so
0: all of that to say, and I saw that hand. All of that to say, um, when it comes to the authenticity of the copies of the New Testament that we have, they are better attested than any other ancient works out there. Uh, you have more reason to have confidence in, uh, in the idea that they really were written when they were written, by the people they were written, and contain the same content that we read today in the Bible when they were originally written. Go ahead, William. Sorry. Well,
1: I was just going to say, in, in these books, you're dealing with authority
0: mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, um, Tacitus' animals don't, don't tell me that my sexual preferences are sinful you know, right. that's, uh, they just tell me about the sexual preferences of the people in the time of Tacitus but they also uh, they, they make claims that offend the living daylights out of people and other I mean um, if uh, uh, Ephesians 2 verse 1 says um, that we are dead in our sins and trespasses by our very nature Um, and that we're not good at heart, that's deeply offensive to the natural man, you know? Um, And that it requires supernatural regeneration through uh, the working of the Holy Spirit in order for us to come to spiritual life. Again, that's very, very offensive. So they'd rather um, believe that this was generated later on by churchy types rather than actually being the authentic uh, work of Paul. And even if it is the work of Paul, that it's not the word of God as well. So Yeah, there's a lot of... um... Uh, animus towards that. Let's go to the next slide. I want to get to. Uh... So F.F. Bruce comments, he says, No classical scholar would listen to an argument that the authenticity of Herodotus or Thucydides, uh, or Thucydides uh, is <laughs> is in doubt because the earliest manuscripts of their works, which are of any use to us, are over 1,300 years later than the originals. But how different it is. Uh, is the situation of the New Testament in this respect. In addition to the two excellent manuscripts of the 4th century, which are the earliest of of some thousands known to us, considerable fragments remain of papyrus copies of books of the New Testament dated from 100 or 200 years earlier still. And uh, as time goes on, the wonderful thing is we dig up new fragments. We find new parts of uh, the New Testament. We find books uh, that have been hidden away in, uh, in various... Uh, monasteries and so on in the Middle East, and we get even earlier and earlier and earlier copies. And what is happening is that our confidence in the authenticity of the uh, the version that we have is growing, not not being reduced. With every discovery, we have more and more confidence that the uh, the, the word is as it was. So um, that uh, that's good news for us. But now we must turn our attention to the apocrypha, and we're going to read. Uh, section 1 3 of your Westminster Confession of Faith. So, everybody, turn to nine one nine. <clears throat> dun dun dun, nine, one, 9 You got it? Who wants to volunteer? I need a volunteer. Nick, you're volunteering? Okay. Yeah, I'll just give you a thumbs up. I mean, I'm okay, you're, you're down for it, man? All right. Section 3. The books commonly called Apocrypha, not being of divine inspiration, are no part of the canon of the scripture therefore are of no authority in the church of God, nor to be any otherwise approved or made use of than other human rights. Okay. Now, this obviously was something that uh, the, uh, the reformers believed, but unfortunately, the Roman Catholic Church does not. It, uh, we discussed this a little bit before, but they view them as deuterocanonical, so the apocrypha. The word apocrypha which means anything hidden, has been applied to certain ancient intertestamental writings whose authorship is not manifest and for which unfounded claims have been set up for a place in the canon. The Confession clearly notes that the books of the Apocrypha are not to be considered part of the canon against the Roman Catholics who formally included them in the canon at the Council of Trent in 1546 and the Eastern Orthodox who included four of the books of the Apocrypha in their canon at the Synod of Jerusalem in 1672. The Roman Catholic decision can be viewed as pragmatic because the Apocrypha is necessary to provide a false prop for doctrines which find no support in the 66 books of the Bible, uh, such as purgatory. So um, they, they need those books, in some cases, to, uh, uh, to argue for things that you're not going to find in the, in the actual books of the New Testament. And um, it, it generally, it, uh, it sets them apart from the Protestants' uh, which is something, of course, that they are eager to do to prove that we are heretics who have, who have uh, left the true the true path, and and so on. But let's talk about some evidences against the apocrypha. That is, evidences against the canonicity of the apocrypha. One of the things that we need to remember is, it's bless you, Rhoda. It's not wrong to read the apocrypha. Okay, it's not like these are books that are going to corrupt you uh, in in any way. And in most cases. Um, they're, they're interesting. Uh, some of them have uh, fascinating stories. Um, at some point in your life, I would recommend read 1st and 2nd Maccabees, uh, at, at the very least. Um, and you will, uh, not only will you get some edifying material, but you'll also learn the origins of, uh, of Hanukkah as the Jews celebrate it. Uh, not that I think Hanukkah should be one of the holidays that we celebrate, but um, it does show where it came from. All right, so let's talk about evidences against the Apocrypha. That these books have no right to a place in the canon is proved by the following facts. One, they never formed a part of the Hebrew Scriptures. They have always been rejected by the Jews to whose guardianship the Old Testament Scriptures were committed. So uh, whereas Reformed Jews, who are the most liberal Jews, uh, in many cases will um, uh, be familiar with them and regard them very highly in, in an Orthodox synagogue, uh, Sirach, uh, Bell and the Dragon, and so on are not going to be counted as parts of the Old Testament, not part of the law, what, we, uh, what the apostles in Christ would have called the law and the prophets, all right? So they're not, uh, they weren't part of that. Two, none of them were ever quoted uh, by Christ or the apostles. So we see, for instance, Deuteronomy being quoted continuously by Christ. We see the Psalms being quoted all the time by the apostles. In a similar manner, we don't see uh, things like uh, the wisdom of Solomon uh, or Tobit being uh, quoted by the apostles. They just do not. And it's not like they weren't aware of them. We know that they were aware of them. We know, for instance, that uh, Paul was aware of the apocryphal books. We know Jude was aware of the apocryphal books and so on. But they're not treated in the same way that the Old Testament scriptures are treated. They're not given the same high uh, veneration as though they are the word of God. Question. Yo. How do you know
1: Paul and Jude?
0: Um, because they make mention of them, uh, because uh, Jude actually uh, makes um, references because we have references in their writings that would indicate that they knew about them, and also it 's simply inconceivable that uh, somebody trained by Rabbi Gamaliel uh, would would not have um, uh, would not have been aware of them so uh, yeah they, uh, it, that that 's one where. Um, you see that they are aware of what those books taught, but don't place it on the same uh, the same level. So. So Christ just, oh, sorry. No. no, no. I was going to say Christ would just be aware of everything, anyways. That's <laughs> the Son of God, yes. So he had uh, comprehensive knowledge of those things. Joy and then Song. Uh, I was just
1: going to say, which is a different circumstance. Mm-hmm.
0: This, the intermediate book. It's actually, the bizarre thing is, it's actually the second. Well, it, right. it would be yeah, Second I'd Corinthians. Yeah. There right.
1: Are two, but right. Know, There's also, we right. have a reference
0: to the epistle to the Laodiceans. Right. Which exactly. we've never yes. had. So
1: those those are actually for me the dicier as to whether they are. You know, God would seem fit to not reveal them mm-hmm. to sufficiently to a wide enough um, audience that the, they they are not necessary
0: therefore they are not canon. There are well clearly they weren't they weren't necessary because they're not canon. But um, the the issue that's that's a tautology. You know, you're, you're, it's a it's circular, circular reasoning. So um, uh, the uh, how do you know that they're not canonical because they're not in the canon? <laughs> you know, that's a, uh, okay, your kids are. That's the kind of thing that drives kids crazy. Why is the sky blue? Because the sky's blue. Um, but the the issue uh, we go back to um, some of some of the other things that the the material being taught in them would throw a spanner in the works of uh, the other Old Testament books. Okay, you can see. Uh, for instance, in some of the apocryphal books, all right, that there is a movement um, that they're beginning to move in the direction of um, of, of Greek uh, wisdom, uh, or uh, it, the kind of it's a synthesis of, of Jewish and Greek wisdom is beginning um, uh, uh, to to come out. Uh, it's not. Um, the heavy prophetic influence, for instance, within the uh, the earlier uh, books is being abandoned more for a wisdom literature kind of uh, uh, approach. Um, so there's, they're, they're definitely not in the same... Uh, the, while they don't introduce anything really weird, you know, or any doctrinal teaching that completely invalidates or negates the teaching of the Old Testament in the way that the... Um, the Gnostic Gospels negate the teachings of the uh, of the actual Gospels uh, at many different points, uh, and invalidate, You know, I mean, if we you want to accept the Gnostic Gospels, you, you have to have a very low view of women, for instance. Uh, Jesus says, in order to uh, to be saved, women have to become men. So, um, that and, is, sorry. yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <and there's, laughs> sorry. yeah, yeah. Great. No, sorry. You know, that's uh Anyway, well, let's move on because I don't want to spend all the time in the, uh, in the Apocrypha. All right, uh, They were never impressed in the list of the canonical books by the early fathers, and even in the Roman church their authority was not accepted by the most learned and candid men until after it was made an article of faith by the Council of Trent late in the 16th century. And some of the things that were made articles of faith uh, at Trent were done specifically to poke the eye of the Protestants. One of the things that uh, uh, Ignatius Loyola who formed which organization? The Jesuits, uh, he told his, there were, um, there were guys who were looking for compromise, uh, moderates at Trent. He didn't want any moderation. He wanted, uh, you know, essentially Trent to be uh, articles of war against um, uh, the Protestants that could be used uh, in a counter-reformation. So um, there were points at which there were actually divisions within uh, Roman Catholic um, the, uh, amongst Roman Catholic theologians about, about certain points, and uh, Loyola always said press towards the most anti-Protestant position in everything because uh, they didn't want any any sort of compromise at all. It was uh, so uh, in any event. It, so the um, the advancing of the apocrypha that occurred was was really part of the Counter Reformation. Um, so. So, four, the internal evidence presented by their contents disproves their claims. None of them make any claim to inspiration, while the best of them disclaim it. Some of them consist of childish fables and inculcate bad morals. So, Jewish authors, wise stuff, none of them, though, are saying, thus saith the Lord, okay? So, it's the kind of thing that rabbis would enjoy reading, but not teaching as the word of God, all right? All right, let's go then to something. This is not the Apocrypha, but we need to deal with these. Let's go to the next ones. The Nag Hammadi uh, Gnostic writings. And these are actually uh, pictures of the writings which were found in uh, preserved leather. Uh, What preserved them is Nag Hammadi is in what country? Does anybody know? Dry. Dry country, (laughs) yes. You're right. Nag Hammadi is in Egypt. Okay, and this was... um, the Nag Hammadi uh, writings were produced by a Gnostic community. Now, Gnosticism deals with, uh, comes from which Greek word? Knowledge. Yeah, gnosis, which means knowledge, okay. And um, the entire idea behind Gnosticism uh, is that we are saved by what? By what we know, yeah. It's, um, so the Gnostic community was teaching that they had access to secret knowledge, things that people needed to know in order to to be brought into the inner community and to be able to move up. It's rather like, um, which modern cult today? Well, no, I'm not calling Masonry a cult. Well, yeah, to a certain extent, but no, there's one that's very clearly, you buy your way up the the chain, gaining more and more secret knowledge. It is.
1: Scientology. the
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now you're right. Good call there. But nobody was Yeah. Upper room discipleship. Right. Right, right, right. So anyway. Um, where, where, was, where was I? Now I'm thinking of Korean upper room Sorry. discipleship stuff. Anyway, moving on. So um, Nag Hammadi was this Gnostic community. And they had these writings. Now, these were pseudopigraphal or pseudopigraphical. Uh, does anybody know what pseudopigraphical means? Bingo! Yeah, you write it under somebody else's name. The Nag Hammadi Library is a collection of Gnostic texts discovered near the upper Egyptian town of Nag Hammadi in 1945. Twelve leather bound papyrus codices buried in a sealed jar were found by a local peasant. They date from the 3rd and 4th century and teach Gnosticism. So, late 200s, early 300s. Uh, the most famous is the Gospel of Thomas. They are or, uh and contradict the Gospels. You've got a choice. You can either accept the Gospels of Thomas uh, and uh, Judas and so on, uh, these Gnostic Gospels, or you can accept the actual Gospels, but they do not work together. They don't teach the same Jesus. They don't teach the same system of salvation, and they are heavily infused with Greek philosophy. So you see a, uh, a dualism Okay, that would later uh, um, be uh, found in in movements like Manichaeism. Uh, Material, matter, is bad, okay? Um, The spirit is good. And one of the things that we need to remember is that um, in Christianity, material is not bad. Who created everything? God, right? He created us as material beings. And we're supposed to be body and soul. Are our bodies and souls supposed to be separated? No, Well, they were never supposed to be separated. Uh, The fall brought in that separation (laughs) through death. But part of uh, what Christ came to do was to eradicate death and bring about a reunion of body and soul forever. All right? We will be embodied creatures in the new heavens and the new earth. So, yes? Would that not have
1: made Jesus?
0: Bless you. Would that
1: not have made Jesus?
0: Some, uh, and that was, uh, obviously you had um, uh, people, um, the docetists, uh, who were teaching, uh, doceticism, uh, teaching that um, Jesus only appeared to be material. Uh, Interestingly enough, that's the Jehovah's Witnesses as well, because he was an angel, um, and uh, after his resurrection, his body uh, was done away with and so on. Uh, which is interesting because he peered and ate a fish and a honeycomb amongst the apostles to prove precisely I am embodied here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's me. It's not a ghost. Um, you know, you can stick your hand in my wounds, but you can't put your hand right through me. And so I am, I am really here. So in any event. Um, all right. Any questions about Nagamari? No? Okay. Moving on. Uh, so, what should we do with new revelations? Well, the answer is we should canonize them, double N, of course. Uh, Prophet Joe was sure excited when he found out that his writings were going to be canonized. Um, we should get rid of them. They are, um, it, generally speaking, uh, anything that claims to be the word of God that was written after 90 AD uh, and uh, the death of John is, is garbage. Um, so... Get rid of it. Don't even bother with it. All right? <laughs> not popular, but nonetheless true. All right, let's go on to the next section of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Who wants to volunteer to be our reader? Who's got a reading voice? Rhoda, you looked up. Go ahead. This is number four, right? Right. <laughs> Beautiful. It's
1: the authority of the Holy Scripture, for which it ought to be believed and obeyed, depended not God, it truth itself. The author thereof, and wherefore it is to be received, because it is the word of God. Only one correction, and therefore it is to be received,
0: because it is the word of God. Yeah. So um <laughs> all right. I thought you did really well right? <laughs> It was perfect aside from that. Not well you just you changed the T to a to a W. He said wherefore instead of therefore. All right, did everybody else hear? I heard okay, all right, I'm not going, I'm not going mad yet. I've still got a few years.
1: Okay. She yeah. a new left
0: there you go. <laughs> oh. oh, that was, that was, that was hard. hard. Okay.
1: All right, so
0: regarding, regarding section four, uh, we read, the proposition is designed to deny the Roman heresy, that the inspired church is the ultimate source of all divine knowledge and that the written scripture and the ecclesiastical tradition alike depend upon the authoritative seal of the church for their credibility. They thus make the scriptures a product of the spirit through the church while, in fact, the church is a product of the spirit through the instrumentality of the word, okay? The scriptures produce the church, not the church defined the scriptures, okay? Um, so what is... What's the, the ground of the, uh, of the church? Well, it's the apostolic witness, uh, the teaching of Christ, which was inscripturated. All right? It's not the church producing and telling us that these are the scriptures. The scriptures actually tell us what the church should be like. So one has greater authority uh, than the other. Not that you know the church shouldn't be our mother. Now, this is obviously one of the things that they are... This is the, um, the Westminster Divines... Explicitly contradicting the position that the Roman Catholic Church takes. Uh, they, de- they, they explicitly say the, uh, the church determines the truth, um, whereas we would say, no, the truth determines the church, uh, and that's one of the reasons why we don't think you're a true church, because you have uh, departed from the pattern that we find in the Word of God. Yes, Joy? So, uh, is, uh,
1: I mean, Mm-hmm. The autographs were, and so there, therefore, they are different. They're, they're different from other writings.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah. In absolutely. Different. Right. So
1: there's the a whole tradition component is in in that argumentation. Right. Is, is, now, is the Roman
0: Catholic things. Church, of course, maintains that there were oral traditions that were carried down that had apostolic authority, but are were never inscripturated, never written down. Uh, and we would um, we would say, Why? hearsay is no is not the foundation right? the, uh, uh, of the church. So um, in any event, uh, let's move on to WCF Chapter One, Section Five, shall we? Yes, Alan, go ahead.
1: We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church to an high and reverent esteem of the Holy Spirit Scripture. And the heaviness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine,
0: the majesty of the style, the consent of all parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God. The full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, the many other incomparable excellencies, and the entire perfection thereof, are arguments whereby it doth abundantly evidence itself to be the word of God. Yet... Notwithstanding, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our heart. Okay, so this is this is very, very important. We uh, we need to take this to heart, no pun intended. Um, the fact that I declared this to be the word of God, or I don't actually declare this to be the word of God, that's heresy. Uh, the fact that I declared this, there we go, to be the word of God. very okay. Uh, is um, it, 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 ultimately it's, it's going to have some effect on the opinion of people. Um, as we, we look at the, uh, um, at the scriptures and we see the, the fact that it's, it's heavenly in the way that it's uh, written, um, the way that the doctrine produces uh, when, when it is followed produces the effects that we would desire um, the majesty of the writing, particularly when you when you've got a really good uh, Bible translation like Not the Message or the NLT, for instance, the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts, uh, how they all work together, and so on, and the scope of the whole, which gives uh, glory there, and all of the excellencies of the work itself. All right, those individually are things that manifest the fact that this is the Word of God, but But the only way that we're going to be persuaded that it's the word of God Mm -hmm. is not via the externals, but rather the inward working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. What is that called, incidentally, that inward working? Regeneration. Regeneration, yeah. So one of the things that I I see all the time is um, in the church is children raised in the church. Uh, who have these things, they have a reverent, growing up, they have a reverent esteem for the word of God. It never even occurs to them that this is not the word of God until they become teens and want to sleep with their girlfriend or boyfriend. Okay, then suddenly the word of God is no longer the word of God. Why? Because the heart was never in the uh, the mix. All right? And suddenly, uh, the importance of this not being the word of God, uh, it it becomes uh, critical to them because the heart wants what the heart wants at that point in time. So um, that's where you begin to see people dismissing entire ideas, doctrines, books, and so on from the the Bible because they they want what they want. Unregenerate people um, are never going to accept the entire Bible because it says so many things that go against the the reasoning of the natural man. And the uh, regenerate person, only with great difficulty is able to accept everything that the Bible says, even when it does step all over their toes. There are things in the Bible that step on my toes as well um, that I, I would rather, uh, you know, it, I wouldn't have written it that way. Um, but that's because I'm not God. I'm a fallen, sinful, and frail person who would have written it wrong. So um, it's only because of what God has done that we are moved to accept these things. Joy? I think it can
1: be a little bit... Like, or subtle, but is Yeah, so that it could... So he could say, I right. have done this, sorry.
0: Yeah, all these things I've done since my youth, right? right. No, you haven't done any of them, but... Um, um, now, here's, here's the problem we run into. One of the least persuasive arguments uh, for the authenticity of Scripture that you can offer to a natural person is, I know in my heart it's the truth, okay? I, I know because I'm, I've been regenerated... And I understand why you don't know <laughs> because you haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good in a very real sense um, but they just look at you like you are slightly demented <laughs> okay so yes I don't, I don't think that this, this and they'll always call it Bronze Age it's not a Bronze Age book that drives me crazy it's mostly Iron Age as a matter of fact but anyway moving on um, the, the they, they say, yes, that's why you believe this old book is really the word of God because, you know, you have nothing. No, no reason, no facts, nothing to back that up. You just have this feeling in your heart uh, because that's how you were raised. And when I try to explain to people, no, that's not how I was raised, not at all. Um, quite the opposite. Uh, that's, you know, they look at me like, well, then why did you, how did you get stupid? What happened? Did you take something or did you drink bleach as a kid or something? I, I don't know. Um, in any event... Uh, you can't persuade people by simply you know, offering up your feelings before them. Uh, it's not persuasive. Uh, therefore, you need to be able to offer to them evidences uh, of the, the truth in the scripture uh, first. Uh, so we see internal evidences. Let's go to the next. And the, the Westminster Confession does point these out. Uh, first, the incomparable sublimity of the doctrines contained in the scriptures, and they're revealing many truths which could not be discovered by nature or reason. Now, one of the things that, uh, in- interestingly enough, uh, that we-, we see happening all the time is actually um, the scriptures version of history turns out to be true, and secular history uh, turns out to be flawed. So, for instance, uh, secular historians did not believe in the Hittites for many, many years, and then lo and behold... In Anatolia, they dig and they discover the, uh, the main library of the Hittite civilization in the middle of, uh, of modern-day Turkey. Um, and suddenly, there's a Hittite empire on the map. But, of course, we all knew that there were Hittites because the Bible told us there were Hittites. Um, there are other things, obviously, uh, truths that could not be discovered by nature or reason. Um, for instance, the fact that um, uh, we hold what day to be sacred set apart <laughs> Sunday, right. Um, is there anything in nature that teaches us that? Only
1: that Joy? That only that we were made to not work seven days. Before. Right.
0: Well, you know, that, and it explains to us why we don't do well when we go seven by 24. So there's, there's many different ways in which uh, various things that uh, can't, be, um, can't be deduced by uh, human reason that, uh, that the Bible tells us uh, the truth about and so on. Uh, secondly, the extent and purity of their precepts, uh, the rule of action or conduct, the representation which they give of the character and moral administration of God, who is not like, and this is something that you should recognize, the God of Scripture is entirely unlike the gods that natural men made. Now, we see that, um, obviously, in, uh, for instance, the, the way that uh, uh, Jesus differs from Zeus uh, or um, the God, uh, God, the Father differs from uh, Apollo, and so on. Uh, the gods of the Greeks were very mannish, uh, whereas in Isaiah, for instance, God tells His worshippers, "You thought I was altogether like you. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not like you." Uh, there also, there's nobody else up here. Polytheism is completely off the uh, uh, off the table, um, and so. Uh, it, the, the God is presented in scripture is very different from the gods of the Babylonians, the gods of the Sumerians, the gods of the Greeks, and also modern, even more modern gods than that. The God of the Bible is very different from Allah. Allah is impersonal. Allah, you know, if you, you talk about do you have a personal relationship with Allah? Well, of course you don't have a personal relationship with Allah. Nobody has a personal relationship with Allah. Yes, right. What was the name of the
1: book where it was... <coughs> Yes. Who's out of the box, who's, right. who's
0: transcendent, who's imminent. Right, 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 right. The, the universe being the box. Is the box sealed? Can God not get into it? Uh, is God not interested in, in interfering with the box and so on? But uh, yes, the God of the Bible is entirely different in, in so many different respects from uh, all those other gods in the way that they dealt with. Um, the exact adaptation of the revelation they contain to the state and wants of man, they tell us the truth about ourselves. One of the things that we don't see in other religions is it doesn't tell us the truth about ourselves. Particularly, you know, if we we looked at uh, the old Sumerian and Babylonian um, uh, religions and so on, the anthropology, and certainly the anthropology of the natural man today is entirely different. Uh, In terms of the nature of man, modern people, what do they think about the nature of man in America today?
1: We good! Deep down inside, she's got a heart of gold.
0: Not deep down inside, she's got a heart of stone. You know, that's... um, and that we're all uh, that way. So there's, the anthropology is that people are basically good. Now, our own reason should teach us that we don't really believe that. I mean, when you drive up someplace, what's the first thing you do after you get out of the car? Lock
1: the
0: you lock the door. Why? Because somebody might steal it. Why? Well, because deep down, we know people aren't basically good at heart. And then you don't lock the doors because you want them to be able to rummage through it instead of breaking your window yes. with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> but that's But not, that's not the way it's supposed to be. So, but everything, everything in our society and in our reactions and so on actually gives away the fact that deep down we know that people are rotten deep down, okay? That's why we make people swear oaths in court and so on. The entire harmony of the several parts, though written by different persons and in different ages, the Bible was set down over a thousand years, okay? And yet, it still teaches the same story throughout. Other books that were actually set down over a much shorter period of time, the Quran, for instance, contradict themselves because the doctrine that, for instance, Muhammad was teaching changes over time. You can tell he starts out, for instance, wanting desperately to get Christians and Jews to see him as the new prophet, the last prophet, and so on. When they reject him, he becomes very anti-Christian and very, and, and very very anti-Jewish. All right? Uh, so at the point at which he's uh, wiping out um, the um, uh, the Beni uh, what's the name of the tribe where he had it on the uh, Jewish tribe? And um, think... make that he... <laughs> not the Beni Jesuit That's from uh, Dune. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but it's close to that, actually. It's right. The, um... He
1: did steal a bunch of
0: Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, so, uh, but by the time by the time he gets to the point where he's beheading and torturing Jews, uh, the the Quran has taken you know a definite uh, switch to uh, kill them wherever you find them and and so on. It's a it it definitely see that development that change occurring as the attitude of the Prophet quote uh, towards them is, is happening. So it becomes and and at some point it becomes contradictory. So the sword um, uh, verses are definitely opposed to some of the earlier, uh, more, shall we say, peaceful or ironic uh, sections of the uh, the Quran when he's still trying to diplomatically bring them in. The majesty of their style and scope and the tendency of the whole to advance the glory of God and secure the salvation of men. So those things all you'll find within uh, scripture. Uh, The scriptures are very different. From other writings, uh, and the the similarities that we see in some holy writings is only because they were written after uh, the scriptures. So, for instance, uh, name a holy writing written after the scriptures that was obviously taken as a knockoff of uh, scripture. Obviously, trying to mimic scripture, the Book of Mormon would be uh, the best example. You even have KJVisms being used by. Um, uh, our Our good friend, not our good friend, uh, <laughs> Joe Smith, Joseph Smith, yes, all right, we need to stop there because we 're running out of time. Uh, we 'll talk more about uh, how only the, uh, the Holy Spirit can fully really persuade us, the importance of regeneration and stuff like that next time.